Yes, hello and welcome to AFL Nation. For elders, when listing your property, think elders real estate. And for tyre power, your match day favourite for tyre safety. Adam White, Nick Butler and Mick Barlow here under the roof at Marvel Stadium for a big game this afternoon. St Kilda and Richmond, the Saints really do need to win. Uh, if they are going to play finals this year. Richmond's still an outside chance, but you just get the feeling today it's going to be all about St Kilda. Before we get into the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles, let's welcome in the team. Nick Butler, welcome. Hello, Whitey. Whitey. Uh, cool. I'm with you. I think if the Saints... Are you oh. jumping in, Nick? Aren't I thought you? he said Mick Butler. No, he didn't. That's a great under start. Under the roof. We're under the weather. <laughs> no, I... Come on, son. Uh, uh, we'll we'll get you through. To get involved, uh, <laughs> before Michael gets involved, uh, I think if St Kilda and uh, Michael's old coach, Rossi Lyon, are fed and can they win today. Mm. If you're getting knocked off by the Tigers who are really playing for uh, an interim coach, trying to get him the job, uh, and they go and get rolled, they're not a genuine final side, and I don't think they deserve to be there. In saying that, I don't think their footy's been that bad. We did the Blues game last week. They were really good for three quarters before getting rolled, and um, if you're stacking it up like racing form, it's uh, it was a pretty pretty well-run race because the, the Blues are looking pretty hot all of a sudden. So, yeah, lots to like about this game. Yeah, so as it stands, Richmond six points outside the top eight and St Kilda in eighth spot, so St Kilda 44 points. And Richmond, 38 points when they met earlier in the year. It was at the MCG and the Tigers uh, got St Kilda when they were just going through that little bit of a flat spot. So we'll see what happens uh, when they play this afternoon. The first bounce is still over two hours away. So it's a chance to get into the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. Beaumont's new Beaumont Max range starts at 20 bucks. As we welcome in McBarla, you can talk now. Whitey, that's my name, McBarla. I guarantee you, Mick, Nick. Yeah, that's Second, okay, mate. Our, our last name start with a, a B. Uh, hello. I was just excited to get in and, and get on with it. But, uh, Butts, you actually summed that up pretty well. Oh, thank but you. I, I do think, um, sitting in the expert chair today, that St Kilda just have to win. And it's it, that, that sounds very simplistic. But on paper, like the, the, the game is a flip of the coin game, really, for a lot of people externally trying to judge this match with, with the Saints slightly ahead. Um, in the market, but I just see it completely the other way. So much more for the Saints to play for. Um, their defences are stacked up really well all year, whereas the defence of Richmond has been very leaky. So offence is the uh, thing that St Kilda will have to look to get on top of today. They just haven't been able to grab that part of their game all year. So a real watch on what their front half looks like. Caminiti goes out um, of the side after being in for a long time. They can't rest on the injury list anymore, can they? They, they really weathered that mm. so impressively for the first eight, ten weeks. They've got some charges back now. Yeah. I mean, um, Caminiti's a good player to have running around at uh, Sandringham. Uh, Membry comes back today. They're Ross. leaving a Billings out. Hunter Clarkson, the potentially a sub, mm. is he? He was in the Inter from. So um, they're, they're not going too bad for availability. Yeah. Uh, Early in the year, their VFL side had, I think it was four or five for, for available AFL-wise from... You know, the rounds one through to eight. So. Dream for the Sandy boys. Yeah, the, the Sandy, the, the VFL listed players were getting good good opportunities. But now, you know, that, that's a really good guide to how how your side is starting to look when, when the availability um, back at VFL level starts to shoot through. And they're looking a lot better uh, at that space. So a lot, a lot to play for for St Kilda and Ross Lyon. Heard a little bit of his, um, his midweek stuff on the, on the drive-in. And um, he, you know, he sounds optimistic as to where they're at. Um, and excited for, for the challenges that lie ahead. 
thing I heard a bit of that. It was almost a one-on-one with Ruby Schleicher, yeah. wasn't it? And then Ross sort of took Ruby's research to task. It was a bit... It was old school, well, Ross. Well, the, la- the latter doesn't lie. He no, didn't, he no, didn't he go with the latter doesn't lie, but he's he's excited by what... And we should we should, we should all be. Every game has so, so many um, connotations riding on it. Yeah, the, the only game this week that doesn't have finals implications was last night's game uh, in the Western Derby where, where West Coast got trounced, and that still had some intrigue um, around it being a Western Derby. Absolutely. We'll narrow our focus on Richmond and St Kilda a little bit later on, close to the first bounce. But last night, Carlton getting over the line against Melbourne in, in what was one of the games of the season, particularly from an intensity point of view and a toughness point of view. And the the story of Carlton, I'll start with you, Nick, because you're obviously following the Blues through the week as a as a footy journalist. That They started the season as the hype team. That only went even high when they beat the Cats early in the season. Yep. Uh, and then all of a sudden, by halfway, Michael Voss was about to get sacked. Yeah. And now they're going on this amazing run. Do, do you believe it? Is, it? is it wholesome enough now? Is it long enough now to think that they are genuinely a team that can win the Premiership? Uh, win the Premiership this year is a little bit of a stretch. But I think they're fair income now. I watch the way their defence has settled down. Uh, and they seem... That was the thing under... David Teague when they were really struggling. Their run and gun work was okay, but they were just a mess um, in defence. And then I think in that uh, period of six weeks where they uh, were just went horribly and the memberships were going in the microwave, they were a bit sort of betwixt and between. They lost their speed and all of a sudden couldn't score. Um, they're hard, they're tough. Kerno's going beautifully. I don't know the the Kerno Harry Mackay dynamic with Mackay not there's one for a, a Sellers McClure or one of those guys to have a talk about, but he looks very comfortable being the, the jack in the pack up there. Uh, guys like Weedering are playing really well again. And there there is a little bit of Voss about they, the way they play. You know, Chin Cotter and these guys have got a real hard edge. And I think if you're going to be a Voss man, you, you play, play the right way. So, look, I think they're going to be really hard to beat. Um, gee, if they could sneak a top four, which if, with two big wins, they're half a chance. And if Port Adelaide continue to falter, um, they're going to be a finals team this year and they're going to be a finals team for the next two or three. I'm happy to uh, put my stake in the ground on that. It's the complexity of the ladder. If they lose their last two, they might miss out completely. If they win oh, their last don't, don't two, they might that finish top four. That's a tricky that's, one that's against the Gold Coast away as Very well. Very much well, a banana skin game for oh, them, but maybe yeah, not this there. current. No, but I saw it even in uh, Paddy Cripps's eyes going, I think we're there. Oh, his eyes. I just, I'm an eye man. (laughs) I'm very much an emotional intelligence (laughs) sort of face language guy. And he wasn't completely content yet because the Gold Coast away has banana written all over it. And what have they done the last game? Look at the Giants, Evan. On a Sunday twilight to round it all out. We thought it was potentially a almost like a wild card game, you know, to get into the finals. But now, I mean, the way it's looking, they both, both look, look like good. getting there. So, Mick, I'll, I'll ask this of you, the same question I asked Nick about uh, Carlton, the real deal. But adding the context, in this winning streak, they've beaten Port Adelaide, Collingwood and Melbourne, three teams in the top four. Yeah, so they've they've rallied, haven't they? And their injury list, we spoke about St Kilda getting the troops back. Carlton have had to weather the storm without, you know, the good availability they had earlier in the year. And Harry Mackay's situation, it is incredibly uh, intriguing as to, to what it looks like. Charlie Kerno playing, you know, lights out football. And he is the barometer at the moment for them. Um, impossible to match up on that. That match up, Lee, may, uh, 
May Kerno last night was um, great to watch. I just can't see them finishing top four. It's just going to be too hard to, to get into the top four. A lot has to go right for them. So, I, yeah, the last two games clearly have to have to um, win uh, and hope for some results to go their way to give themselves a top top four chance. And if you look at history, um, we don't want to bore people with history and take the emotion out of these Carlton fans riding the emotional roller coaster all the way to the finals. But top four, Sydney came out of the top four last year to, to make the grand final, but. They just can't, couldn't sustain it on the big day. The, the Doggies in 2021 were the same. Um, got into that grand final and, and, and had that patch in the third quarter where you just couldn't sustain against a side that um, yeah, both the last two premiers have been top four. Give yourself that opportunity as a double chance the week off at some stage in the finals and, and you're steady and you go. So I, I, it's a lot to ask of a side that is absolutely rolling at the moment. I think there is a... There is a bit of a difference this year in that I don't think there are many good teams. I think it's even, but I think if you go back to 2016 when the Bulldogs and Sydney met in the grand final, now the Bulldogs came from obviously right down the bottom of the top eight, but it was a very even year that year as well. It's not like there are the you know the Geelongs or the Hawthorns when they've been at their absolute best. Brisbane. I think Collingwood's the one. Like if Collingwood, are, are they that much better? I, do you think than anyone I feel, else? I feel they are. Yeah, okay. I, I feel they're especially even though they've lost the last one, one on Friday night, but lost those last two. I just saw enough. I saw a lot on Friday night that suggested they're back. Their, their hunger for each other, their defensive acts, um, their energy. You know, it, it's a big season to, to maintain that energy all the way through, and um, Butsy would have seen some some body language and some eyes <laughs> from that Collingwood group, yes. starting to say where we're steadying ourselves and we're going. But the others, like yeah, Brisbane, yeah, they, they were relatively uninspiring. I felt yes, they just found a way to win. But Adelaide, two home yeah. finals, yeah, Port Adelaide, oh, I reckon they could flex yeah, in all sorts at the moment. And, um, yeah, I think the D's, despite last night's performance, I, I still see them as um, just below or just back from Collingwood and then a fair gap to the rest. I was disappointed in Melbourne last night, I must confess. I thought that they were coming right at the right time and, um, you know, Oliver coming back into the team, who played extremely well. He, he started he slowly, but his second half was was amazing. But I just thought Melbourne were, were ready. Um but they just, again, show that they co- go in and out of matches so too much to be a, a genuine heavyweight, a, a top two team. I think their best is still the I best. agree with you, but we don't see it yeah, a lot. Yeah, well, we just might in a couple of weeks. That A red-hot Carlton, they were a bit stiff. Uh, I think sort of seven or eight times out of ten they probably win that. They didn't get the rub of the green with the, the goal review. Uh, Carlton would do a bit of luck. And got it, but I think if they can get Bailey Fritch back, um, they've got a decision. The forward line's they, messy, I, isn't I mean, yeah, Grundy's probably just got to be the second ruck or, or out of the side now. I'd maybe look at Tomlinson back, and um, Young Smith can take a mark. Yeah. Um, so maybe he plays as the second forward to, to chop them out a little bit. But that midfield, Gorn at his best... Uh, drier conditions, so the, um, the the bull you're getting full sort of toad odds for your uh, for your inside work, uh, and then and Cosy Pickett and those guys just becoming more electric. I, I think they're they're nine out of ten games better than anyone else's. With in saying that, with with Dacos and more under clouds, because I just reckon the pies are dead stiff to get those two injuries now. But they've had they've had the run all year, haven't they? It's all about timing. And mm. um, what do you think of Melbourne last night? Yeah, I didn't. 
I, I think I was just making some notes on their last two weeks, right? So Richmond, a game, uh, the MCG, which was a shootout, and it, it went long, and Richmond just threw it up to them, and it was all offense, and, and the D's found a way. Last week they were slow to start against North, and and had to get off get themselves off the canvas, really, and pull themselves back into that game, and mm. that takes a lot of energy. And, and then you get uh, to the MCG last night where Carlton's coming. Um, yeah, and and, and oh, I felt yeah, for, for large parts of the game they they weathered it. They couldn't get their flow going. That the scores, you know, it was a it was a pulsating game to watch um, from the pub in Gunbower where I was at, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> you would. It'd there. be impossible not to. A big shout out to the Gunbower um, public in Bones. Yeah, Bones. Who who, who uh, did a great job behind the bar last night. But it was a, a game where you look at the score; it's forty each, and you know, halfway through the third quarter and, and getting deep in the game. But it was. Um, yeah, just an arm wrestle. The the atmosphere for those at the ground would have been phenomenal with the way these blue baggers are getting behind their own. Um, so yeah, the D's have had to had to weather a bit in the last three weeks, and yeah, with, with a little bit little bit of luck, like Butsy said, they get that result. Well, the game. If they the get shot. this call, yeah. they get the result. Salem had the shot, didn't make the distance from 48 metres. There were a couple of other iffy free kicks that didn't go Melbourne's way, and then the goal. That was not a goal. Yeah. That may have or should have I been a goal. I think to the eye it was. Yeah. But in the end, the the goal umpire's made the, the soft call, hasn't he? And he's right there. I, I think he got seduced with Marchbank. Have we asked Caleb Mar- What's Marchbank He said? says he touched it. Yep. Um, Did his nose grow? But looking at the review, there was one review that was inconclusive, which they kept looking at. But mm. then there was the side on, which looked like Marchbank had missed the ball. Yeah. By some margin. That's what I... I'm a bit surprised about um, that they didn't have another look at that particular angle. They just had a look at it once. Look, in the end, it's not really going to affect the D's. Is oh, it? Is I think it? it does absolutely. Well, because of a top I, that two, could be, that, that's that could be the difference between top two and, and going to Brisbane. And not they, yeah, and that means that an oh, either no, state well, first true. final. I was going to say. I mean, they're they're kind of entrenched in the top four. Um, give it a couple of weeks, and they've got to be ready to go. But when you put it like that, uh, so Brisbane have got Collingwood yeah. to come next week. So. You know, there's still a bit to play out. Dicey, but yeah. if if that had been given a goal, Melbourne, I think, would have almost been certain to finish top two. Well, it's the system. Uh, give me a look, all right? I'm having a look at a the slow mo replay. May have had a multi involving Melbourne. Uh, he's talking <laughs> through his back pocket. <laughs> that screenshot does look like a miss, but we're a fair way from the line there. Was there some sort of talk his knee was involved as well? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, Lou, before we, before we go to a We've break. Seen this, it happen before. before we go to a break, this is Simon Goodwin's view. He was asked about whether it was a goal or whether it was touched after the game last night. The guy closest to where it all took place thought he touched it. So um, I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I think so, umpire's call. Empire's cool then, eh? That's the rules. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. also a, a moment um, a few minutes before then when Van Ruyen, it looked like his legs were taken from underneath him at a pretty crucial time. Did you see that moment and what were your thoughts on that? Uh, look, I'm not going to get into the specifics of all the umpiring decisions. Um, I'll let other people decide and judge their performance. That's not for me. I'm here to talk about Melbourne and the game. Diplomatic, oh, diplomatic. Sort of, as you would expect. Has so there you be. go. Carlton, get the four points. That's that's the that's the end of it, really. You and, can't uh, really argue the toss. These things happen in footy. It's a margins call. This one's gone with the Blues. 
um, you know, down would have been track. a very brave person to upstairs overall. Yeah. What had happened and be categoric one way or the other. Yeah. Well, you, and maybe it is a bit of a flawed system because on that evidence, you couldn't. Yeah. Could you? I, I just don't think it. Your screenshot's a little bit different. The bloke <laughs> in the bunker's got that. But I, I was sitting there uh, having a cup of tea watching the replays like everyone else, and I couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, so it's Amazing. the system we've got. Yeah, and the system, there's some holes in it, isn't there? Just the, the pixels. Just, we need too a many clear pixels. shot. The, it was too pixelated. Yeah. Everything was clear. You're watching it in high def and then bang, right, yeah. right at the important moment. Yeah, I reckon he's got bigger fish to fry sorting his forward line out. Yes. Yeah. What does he do with Brody Grundy? I mean, would you ship how, him how off? How far is Fritsch off? He, he must uh, be far away. Serious foot injury, but was, uh, I'm told uh, only... Yeah, they're saying maybe round 23 or, yeah, there you or go. The, the last Very round 24 thereabouts. But Grundy had opportunities late to have an impact and he... He was unable to do that in the end. Nine night, touches, low scoring. one mark, no goals. Just to go on a bat for Grundy a bit, I don't know how much we can expect from him on a night like that. Such a low-scoring game, greasy ball. Uh, he's half a chance to be impactful as a tall forward in the dry or uh, under the roof under here the roof. at Marvel. And you might kick your two or three, which is which would be a really good effort. I just there was that wasn't going to be a Grundy two or three night. No, the ball wasn't moving. He, he was getting no. There would be no one-on-one contests. So I would, if you're good with it, I'd maybe give him one more chance as we'll, a forward. We'll take a break. Our major partner is the TAC. Drink driving, chances are you'll be caught TAC. And our pre-game partner is Before You Dig Australia. Before You Dig, lodge a free inquiry online. And as it is a Richmond game, it is brought to you by Latitude Gem Visa. Shop with more time to play. A break on AFL Nation for Elders and Tyre Power. It is the build-up for Richmond and St Kilda. Yes, it is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. Beaumont new Beaumont Max range starts at just twenty bucks. We're here at Marvel Stadium under the roof for Richmond and St Kilda. A little bit later on, Adam White, Nick Butler, and Mick Barlow. But with chance to reflect back on some of the other games that have been played over the weekend, we've talked about Melbourne and Carlton last night. Also, the Dockers and the Eagles. There's really not much to be said about the game, I guess, unless you're a Fremantle fan, because the Dockers Let's winning talk about by 101 it. points. Mick Barlow's team. I saw him in some Fremantle paraphernalia a few weeks ago down in the, the Cattery. Yeah, um, had the scarf on. I, and I've said this to you before, and I'll say it again. When you see Fremantle play the way they do at times this year, you just think, what a wasted season. And no, it was only against West Coast. But we saw them play some pretty brutal offence at times last night. They looked a good team. They've been... So the game at the Cattery, where they took apart the Cats, said a bit about the Cats, I think, and, and where yeah, they're I probably at. But... Um, you're right. Since that game, they've been really good. They went within three points of the Lions last Sunday night and just fell short. Again, some promising signs of of what's coming through. They are a young side. So they're younger, absolutely younger than what they were last year when they were a top five or six side making that semi-final. And they just haven't been able to get it together. Jaya Miss has come through the second half of the season as, as a real find. And they now probably have their eyes on the most... Promising key forward since Pavlich at the, at the football club. Um, I think that's been the opinion for a while, but it's a hard position to, to grab a hold of the, the big boys in the front half. So some good signs for Freo going in, into next year. I, I liked Hayden Young, what he's done in the yeah. last three or four weeks, gone in the middle and, and done some negating roles and then worked off at the right time. So they've sampled a few things in the last month, which should have happened. 
and those things they've sampled have, have looked pretty good. So Schultz kick five, Amos four, Sturt four, and then from a disposal point of view for Fremantle, the, the usual suspects up at the top, Brayshaw 33, Sarong 30. Uh, Clark, who's been playing some good footy, had 28, and Mick mentioned Hayden Young with 25 in the midfield. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about about Fremantle is, and I'm not sure whether this is a coincidence or whether it is related to their sort of return to form, and that's been since Jackson's gone into the ruck. And what that means from a list management perspective, potentially. Yeah, seeing that game live, and we've we've spoken a little bit three weeks ago when they played the Cats at GMHBA Stadium, but Jackson was the... That that was what they dressed it up to be all pre-season, that Jackson would be that fourth on baller as the ruckman when he goes in there. And that day we saw that. We saw the ball hit the deck, Sarong, Brayshaw, um, Hayden Young. But then Luke Jackson was as prolific as any at ground level and then linking up and, and stretching um, Reece Stanley on that particular day um, the other way. So Sean Darcy, who is a, what's he, probably a 700 grand a year Cats big, will have big ruckman? Cats will have big Sean. They, they will, He's a local he? boy. Yeah, that's the male. And what? if uh, Freo are better off with Jackson and you're the former great, you can say so, that. No, 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 Cats I can't. have him, thank and you. And I, I know, well, I know enough to know that Sean Darcy loves living in Perth and, and live, living around the area of Fremantle and loves the football club and... I'm fairly convinced he's in for in for the what it is hole. next year. He wants to be there and convinced that that, that club um, will bounce pretty quickly next year. How does it work with Jackson and Darcy? Jackson's turned into a a remarkable player. I think he can do it in these multiple positions that Justin Longmuir brought him into the into the side for. Players, the centre square bounce mid, play in, in front of the ball, and then be the twenty percent ruckman uh, when John Darcy's fit and available. He's a bit more dynamic than what. Brody Grundy is at Melbourne trying to play a similar sort of role. Correct, yeah. Uh, but Sean Darcy is... He go he can go forward and take a catch, mm. um, but you, you don't want him as a, a key forward for longer than five to six minutes in a, in a spin. be better business for the Cats to go after Grundy then. Is Grundy's price dropping at the moment? Well, it's, hard. it's a hard one because... They They've got Stanley for another not, year. Nothing really coming through. if he was to through. go to a Geelong or to go to a Port Adelaide or even he's a Sydney, be the number one he's run. playing a different role yeah, to what he's playing at Melbourne. Player. So it is hard to work out whether his currency has dropped. Uh, just just one quick one on, on West Coast. West Coast have come out again and said no problems for, for Adam Simpson, uh, even though another 100-point loss to the Eagles last night. Are, are they living in dreamland or are they backing in a, a man that did take them to the promised land, a premiership? Only what three or four years ago. Well, what I've liked, say, or I shouldn't say like, because it's, again, there's careers ending um, through retirements. Luke Shuey, uh, I think there's some speculation around Nick Natnui. Um, you know, Shannon Hearn, who I thought potentially could have gone on. He was he was probably the one I was looking at that may have been able to go on. Um, but I think that that those decisions or or how they've come about indicate that they're going to to move away from what they've probably done in the past and and allowed the players to, to go on a bit longer and, and stick by their own, I think, despite them being retirements. I think there was discussions around, right, like, we're going to have to go past you guys now. Adam Simpson's going to get a new crop in. Um, and what does that new crop look like? The, the concerning part for West Coast is, you know, the, the young talent, they're, they're a young side, and a lot of their younger players have been given opportunity, but none of them have, have really progressed. I like Brady Hoff as a, as a halfback who was... Out with um, an asthma-related um, issue pre-game. Not ideal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like the uh, grade six cross country <laughs> laid out with asthma. Gives me anxiety. The grade six cross country. <laughs> oh, um, but West Coast, 
I'm, I'm looking next year. There's five or six names there that should be kind of genuinely good under-21, under-22 players. Uh, Ruben Jinby, who, who yeah, showed a bit. He's tough, but he, he needs a bit of polish. Uh, Brady Hoff, Campbell Chesser, whoever they do, you know, if it all looks like they will get that number one pick or, or what they bring in. You know, this time next year, we should have four, five, six, seven names of West Coast players that are under-21 that you're like, well, these guys are... These, these guys are guns, and they're well represented in, in all of the awards at this time of year within what their development group looks like because at the moment um, it's slim pickings all across the board for West Coast the, the West Coast Eagles. And I think to, to your question, really, Adam Simpson is going to get a completely blank canvas of, mm. of, of what the West Coast Eagles are next year, and um, that, that shows that they're sticking by him and, and backing the decisions he'll make. Yeah, it'll be fascinating that's to see whether they keep that number one pick or try and find a way to get five picks inside 25 um, and do it that way because there are a few Western Australian young under-18s that are seen as being top 20 players. Yep. They could find a way to get all three of those. I think there's three that sort of are stand, standout players. It'll be interesting yep. to see what they do. That That is the talk that they're looking at, at least... They're not shopping it, but they're they're listening to offers. People, the people should be coming with it, won't they? They won't have to shop it because no, clubs that's right. are going to come and knock on the door and say, yeah. "We want it." Melbourne's in the, you know, yep. they, they've got a good hand to play with. They yep. think they can get Reed. Yep. Uh, you're not going to go chips in on the country Victorian lad and have him leave in three years' time. I mean, that's heartbreaking when you've got you, you'd go the locals, yep. wouldn't you? There's a good ruckman too. They reckon might go in the 30s. That uh, with Nick Nat potentially about to go. The lad's name escapes me, but I saw some shorts of him, and he looks really impressive, a bit skinny. But they might be able to pick him up with a, with a later pick. So you go the um, the three in the top 20 and, and build from there. We'll take a break. Uh, just a reminder, there is another game being played at the moment down in Tassie at Launceston. It's the Hawks and the Bulldogs. So five minutes remaining before quarter time. Hawthorne, one straight six, trailing the Bulldogs, 3-2-20. There is a big injury story down there involving Chad Wingard, who... He's sort of caught fire over the last three weeks, kind of playing for his career. Unfortunately, it looks like he's done a serious Achilles injury. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but it didn't look good at all when he was carried from the field earlier in that quarter. So still five minutes to play down at Launceston in quarter number one, and it is the Bulldogs by 14 points. It is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. Beaumont's new Beaumont Max range starts at just 20 bucks. We'll be back with more shortly. Yes, welcome back uh, from Marvel Stadium, Richmond and St Kilda, about 90 minutes away from action. It is AFL Nation for Elders. When listing your property, think Elders Real Estate and for tyre power, your match day favourites for tyre safety. We're going through the the games uh, from the last 24 hours or so. We've touched on the, the night matches from last night with Carlton and Fremantle having, uh, having wins. But we did the game at the Gabba between Brisbane and Adelaide. It was a high-scoring affair for the first three quarters until both teams kind of got a bit tired in the last quarter. The Lions holding on. We we made sure that Mick watched Frio and, and West Coast, yep. so that was sort of his, uh, his sort of uh, responsibility. Wheelhouse. What were your takeouts from from Brisbane's win over the Crows, which pretty much ended Adelaide's season? It did. It was. More of the same from the Crows, a real spirited effort, but they've just fallen short. Uh, and they're just going to be a, uh, in a very frustrated mindset when they're sitting at Bali drinking bintangs <laughs> in the first week of the finals, thinking we, we can take it to all these teams. Mm. And then a lot hopefully. Of scenario training over the preseason, I'd imagine, for Adelaide, because 
I'll do a little bit of research in terms of close losses versus close wins mm. for the Crows this year, which becomes the difference, doesn't it, to, to sneak into that uh, bottom half of the eight? Yeah. Um, they had their shots late in the game to win it. They did. And uh, couldn't take them. Very similar to their performance against Melbourne and also Collingwood. Uh, didn't get enough out of a couple of players. They probably needed more from Phil Thorpe and with Walker and McAdam were doing the business up forward. There were probably um, a couple of passengers and a very young defence. So I think if you're assessing it and, and assessing Matty Nix, it was pretty good effort, really. There no, I agree. Three, I agree. That was a sandful defence. Uh, Keane... Nan Curvis, young ball ace. Worrell. Worrell. I mean, he's come on and, and playing really well. Michael Lanny's going to be a really good player. But, um, but that collective defence, if oh, they walk down uh, Burke Street, nah. you wouldn't recognise too many of them Quite if right. they were in civilian Rundle clothes. Rundle Ball, though. Oh, no, Rundle, <laughs> they'd be mocked. <laughs> they'd be mocked. Uh, it's, um, so they're just going to miss, aren't they? They are, and I, they, they've, they've impressed me big time. I look at their side at the start of the year, and I thought it was going to be a bleak. Season, I thought bottom bottom handful, and, and they thought they were going to have a good year yeah, too. Yeah, so credit to them. Yeah. I, I, I was wrong a couple of times this year. I've been right a lot, but uh, I was wrong on Adelaide. What about and, Brisbane? Yeah, I was. You guys shocked me then. I'm not a big stats guy, and I hadn't had a real debrief um, since we called the game. And you blokes have just said, "Oh, Lockie Neal was quiet." I just saw them caning the crows in stoppages and figured he had 30 again only had the 22 23, 23. Yeah. so he wasn't horrible zach bailey looked really good in there dunkley was a bit better uh um, yeah bailey's the interesting one isn't he, he looked really he good. needs they need some spark in the center square bounce and around the midfield bailey gives them that mm. he just can't sustain it whereas if you've got dunkley line uh dunkley neil um yeah berry's going back through the, the midfield with luggage was Judge best on ground in one of the papers. He was pretty solid. Kicked a couple, had mid-20s possessions, I think. Limited leg speed, though, isn't there? In that, it's it's uh, that, in that lack that of zip that Rayner kind of gave to them at times in the final series last year. Yeah. He's been okay this year without being great. But um, Bailey's one that hasn't had the season he had last year. But I'm a bit like you. They need a bit more electric speed through that middle part of the ground. And I don't think there's much in the twos. Like, they've got Reese Matheson, who's, who's much the same. Jared Lyons. You'd be a good country footballer, Reese Matheson. You'd yeah, be really good at that. You'd be a good country footballer. The GFL, he'd be a freak. He's hard. Good on him. He hangs in there. They do. So Brisbane almost gave up the lead again. They had the game in control, and it's not for the first time they kind of fatigue late. And Chris Fagan was asked about that after the match. It's a tough, tough trip, and it was a tough game last week. And I felt like it was slow to start, and then we looked tired at the end. And I don't know whether that explains it or not, because I thought in between, some from the halfway mark of the first quarter to the three-quarter time, that looked like us. But outside of that, it, we weren't, weren't so good. Quarter time, by the way, at Launceston, Bulldogs 4-3-27 to Hawthorne one one seven. So that was Chris Fagan. Um, it trip coming back from the West, but then they've got a six-day break going into Collingwood now. Uh, massive game coming up this week, so it doesn't get any easier for them. Doesn't, but they've got to um, spark themselves up. They were, they were very lacklustre against um, the Dockers, finding a way like, hard hard to go to the West and and win. Um, I think they're good signs to have because they would be reviewing these games at the moment with with a harder edge and a, and a bit of a lens that you know we're not going that well, but we're getting the win. So they've banked eight points in the last two weeks. And they were, they were still able to review their games and, and go to work on their style and improve their style. So 
I think Chris Fagan and his crew would be happy-ish to know that yeah, we can have this hard edge and, and review it and train it and get better, knowing that we've, we've still banked those eight points because um, it could have easily been zero. We were talking about Carlton earlier and, and how Kerno has really relished without Mackay being in the forward line with him. We saw a similar sort of situation last night with Gunston out of the second half of the lines with a knee injury where Charlie Cameron became a much more pivotal central part of their forward line and kicked three goals and probably could have kicked four or five. Yeah. Um, had, had, that's how good he was going. He's He could be that finals sort of uh, barometer, which he has been for both Adelaide and Brisbane in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the Jack Gunston situation just hasn't worked, has it? And no, it hasn't. They're going to have he to was find... looking better in the last three or four weeks, but I think on the yeah. uh, in the entirety of the body of work, yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah. And even um, Dunkley, I'm not privy to how he played yesterday, but he, he, he was probably only just going in the last kind of month, particularly in that game in, in WA, so they brought in a couple of guys to, to strengthen them and bolster them. Um, but they, they may just not be the answer that, that they're looking for. So you're right. It, it, it comes back to a guy like Charlie Cameron who holds the ace. Eric Hipwood, uh, Joe Danaher. Like, they have He's the, capa- the key. They have he? the capacity in, in big finals to, to go bang, but they also have the capacity in big finals to uh, pull the doona yeah, right over right. the head. Oh, no, the doona. Yes, so, the doona. So, no facial. You can't so get, before get a look we in take their a, eyes. Before we take a break and come back. <laughs> Is that a Rossism? <laughs> Pulling the doona? Yeah, Ross oh, said, oh, give, I'll us, ask, give us a yeah, whole Have we got bag Lenny A's pull. on today? Because I'll ask. <laughs> pull the doona. I've got a great pull the doona story that relates to Lenny Hayes. All right. Oh, okay. Tease so, it. Deep tease. So before we take a break, um, Brisbane, are they number two seed or number three seed? They can be number two seed just purely and simply based on if they get that Gabba double final factor. Mm, three for me. Uh, Collingwood, Melbourne, Brisbane. And then a drop-off, I think, Carlton in the next, next uh Two if they finish top two. Yeah. I can't see anyone knocking them off up there. And then there are potential pull the doona if they make the big <laughs> one at the Jets. Yeah. Pull but the I, they, they, I, I'll back them to, to go really well at uh, you know, a lit-up gabber. Okay. All right. We'll talk about the, the Bombers and the Kangaroos and also... The, uh, the Swans and the Suns next. The Swans might be the team that are going under the radar at the moment. Our major partner is the TAC. Drink driving, chances are you'll be caught TAC. And our pre-game partner is Before You Dig Australia. Before you dig, lodge a free inquiry online. Back with more after this. Yes, welcome back to AFL Nation for Elders and for Tyre Power. Five minutes into the second term down at Launceston. The Bulldogs 4-3-27 leading Hawthorne 1-2-8. Jamara Hagen, the only multiple goal scorer in that game. He has two. Yesterday here at Marvel Stadium, it was Essendon and North Melbourne. It was a win to Bombers uh, to keep their their faint finals hopes uh, alive. Mathematically, they can still make it. But in a lot of ways, it was all about Ben Cunnington who announced his retirement uh, in the lead-up to the game. And Alistair Clarkson spoke about Ben Cunnington after the match. He's been able to uh, contribute enormously on the field, but um, through the hardship he's had to he's had to confront, um, he's been a, a great role model for um, for others in terms of coping with hardship, and um, and he's going to retire a really really decorated player of our footy club as a result of that. But for what he's done on the field, but also what he's done off the field, which is a real credit to him. It was the Bombers 13-8-86 over North Melbourne 12-5-77. So the Bombers made. Hard work of it, but uh, got there in the end. 
Uh, Archie Perkins was good for them late, and Kyle Langford continues his form in, in the forward line. And Nick Martin's midfield dominance, uh, well, it got, he got back to his dominant best with the 30 possessions and uh, three goals. Uh, are the Bombers, Mick, just making up the numbers, do you think? At this I think stage? they are, yeah. Oh, I think they are. They're undersized in the, in the back half, um, and the good key forward lines will, will get a hold of them. Um, and it's shown throughout the year. I think Zerk Thatcher's been a player that's kind of stood up and, and gone pretty well, but has been taken apart at times as well. So, yeah, the Bombers, I think hats off to them the season they've had. And, you know, they maintain a, maintain a, some relevance in the season to this point. Where does it take them for the rest of this year? I don't think it's the question. It's next year. There'll be a little bit of a list turnover, I'd imagine, with, with Brad Scott getting some of those more key defensive poles. They've been, they've been linked to a couple of key forwards as well, which... Um, I think would help well, Peter they, They've got money to spend. Yeah. And, and a bit depends also on what happens with Darcy Parrish as well, who still hasn't committed to the footy club yet. Redmond has it? and Parrish hasn't. And the Cats are, are into Cats him are always in a big sniffing. Oh, yeah. sniff. Where's he from? If you're yeah, a Falcon. He's from yeah, down he's that a, way. He's a Falcon. Yeah. He's a Falcon. And, and Essendon Mickey have, Turner. They talk about having this um, treasure trove of, of money to spend because of the, the makeup of their list and yeah. they haven't spent it. So they could the young, potentially go into the, um, so they were, the trade period. Yeah, they're, they're an incredibly young side. The development of Nick Martin, All-Australian winger, I'd, I'd think Errol Goulden, Nick Martin, all in that discussion. Mm. Mason Woods had a good year. We'll watch him again today. Um, the, their group that's going to take them forward, are, you know, they're, they're, they've got a lot of football and a lot of learning and a lot of growing to to do Ben Hobbs, I've liked his season and how he's come uh, come of age a little bit. Caldwell's been good. Archie Perkins, I think a lot of these guys are the old pre-season away from really ripping uh, the competition to shreds. Um, so I was, I thought they were a bit vanilla um, at the start of the year. I thought they were just going to be, you know, making up the numbers and a bit of a tough watch. But they've been a, a, a good watch. So they see, need Sammy Draper back. Yeah, that, he's a bit of a uh, I know he's my man. mate and my podcast buddy. Uh, they just haven't looked as dynamic. When is he back next week? Uh, well, he's half a chance. Yeah, yeah he's going to true. train fully. Um, it's that hip, grumbly hip he's had. You'd want to be sure, you know, because you don't want to get him back and get him sore again and that um, sort of um, affects his pre-season for next year. But he's going to have a try. He's, he's certainly running full... Full clip again, and if they're um, chips in for the finals, I guess he has to play. Yeah, yeah, Stringer's in, in a similar boat with yeah. a with a foot, but he will be a selection discussion this week. The foot one, really tough one to manage, isn't it? Jake Stringer situation. Playing a fascia, yeah, because it just needs it needs time off and and rest and a, a good stint of programming to get himself right. But they just don't have the time. And and does he play? And he's played at times this year and been a liability with, with that yeah. with that foot. He can be injected. I don't know yeah, why. Are they, how, how, doctors are a bit reluctant to use the needle these days. It's a purely a painting, the plantar fascia. Come on, Joe. Uh, I'm just... Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, just, just I did have a few. Uh, <laughs> but it, I guess, does he do the Robert Harvey and snap it? It's a six-week operation that they don't quite have time for. It's pretty easy. Just, it's like tissue paper. They just um, give it a nick and it, and it comes good quick. If they're desperate to get Jake back, and all it is is plantar fasciitis, they can give him a painkiller. Yeah. All right. The other game yesterday, Sydney defeating Gold Coast Suns. So Sydney now back in the, in the top eight frame. And for the Suns, they now drop to fourth last. 
which it sort of doesn't feel right. It's a bit deceiving, though, the four yeah, fives. It is, it because is. of the, the yeah. bottom three. But the ladder doesn't lie, yeah. as Ross Lyon no, says. Cool. Why do you, why hey, Tyler, so Beaumont's buying team have created the best value tile range ever. It's called Beaumont Max Tiles from 20 bucks, Subways from 30 bucks. Everyday savings with Beaumont Max. Drop into one of over 115 stores and be helped by the best. You'll be happy you chose Beaumont's. Down at Launceston, Hawthorne's kicked the goal. So nearly the halfway point of the second term, the Bulldogs 4 4 28 Hawthorne 2 3 15. Bright sunshine down at Launceston. In the next hour, we'll start to narrow our focus on the Tigers and the Saints. Lenny Hayes from St Kilda would join us, and also David Teague from Richmond. We are under 90 minutes from the opening bounce here at Marvel Stadium. It is Maddie's match. He's the Tigers, and it's the Saints. We're getting closer here on a Sunday afternoon on AFL Nation. Yes, hello and welcome to AFL Nation. For elders, when listing your property, think elders real estate. And for tyre power, your match day favourites for tyre safety. We are involved in the pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles. Beaumont's new Beaumont Max range starts at just 20 bucks. And being a Richmond game, it's uh, brought to you by Latitude Gem Visa. Shop with more time to pay. It is Maddie's match here. St Kilda and Richmond under the roof here at Marvel Stadium. Adam White, Nick Butler and Mick Barlow are with you. At Launceston, halfway through the second term, it is the Bulldogs 4-5-29, leading Hawthorne 2-5-17. But the Dogs have a shot for goal just outside the goal square. Riley West with the ball in his hand, so you'd expect him to kick that. There is an injury. In fact, there's two injuries to be concerned about. A serious one with the Hawks, uh, Chad Wingard. Uh, looks like he may have done his Achilles, which is terrible news for, for Chad late in his career. And we've just seen Tom Liberatore taken from the field as well. And uh, it looked a bit of a, a head issue, McBarlow, yeah, as well. head down. Um, nice an innocuous knee from uh, Hawthorne's Connor Nash. Got him just behind the ear. So he had some claret coming out the back of his melon did liver, and he was down for a little while. One of the great um, chase-down tackles here and read of the play by Riley West. It was a point, rush point. James Sisley took the football, thought, right, I'm going to play on and go really quickly. Riley West snuck up behind the goal umpire and ran him down. Unbelievable stuff. Came from about the third row. There's a brawl. Oh, Blank and uh, Norton having a good go. He doesn't mind throwing one, old uh, Blanky. Blankety Blank. That's a good old-fashioned... It's just a jumping... Mono-y-mono. Yeah, it is. It's a big game for the Bulldogs. I mean, Hawthorne are always hard to beat down in in Tassie. They've been in good form recently, the Hawks, uh, particularly after their win against Collingwood. And the way the final eight is is shaping, the Dogs just got to be very careful here. They do. Absolutely. So they're the side this year that haven't really been able to catch the Dogs. And I think that that sub's been activated with Oscar Baker, who was the sub for the Dogs, is out there. So they've... um, pulled the trigger on that. I'd assume that is for Tom Liberatore. Um, but they're aside the dogs who for a long time have had to protect their bottom six to eight and rely on their star power to get them so far and, and so often the, the, the bottom six to eight. And again, sometimes it's just that they're not up to the level or that's why they are kind of you know, 150 grand, 200 grand players um, that just can't get that consistency across a full season to, to make them... Um, a contender since that 2016 uh, triumph. The Hawks have just got an answering goal through Joe Newcomb and are going forward again. What have you made of of Hawthorne? Watched them live last week. And I, after watching them against the, the Pies, walked away from that game thinking that there is no reason they, they can't be ambitious for September action next year. Wow. Um, they, they impressed. That was as good a game as I've done for AFL Nation all year. That, that game last week, Hawthorne upsetting Collingwood the way they did it um, 
Will Day. Like right now you're seeing Will Day play at a really high level, a centre square bounce player that was showing up really good centre square bounce players from Collingwood up. And he's, he just still looks like he's got a frame to grow into. He's probably still got four or five, six kilos to put on. He looks really good. Um, James Sisley's still got a lot of football left. He, he is the most important player, not only to Hawthorne, but he's the most important player to his team in the AFL, yep. is James Sisley. Without him setting them up and, and giving them rebound and, and organising them, um, they fall away really quickly. The, the one that I'm quite taken by is John Newcomb, as someone that I didn't think he would reach the heights he's reached. I right mean, he's a, a Puong. Yeah, that's right. I mean, a mid-season draft selection a couple of years ago and, you know, he's a competitor and, and tackled hard and all that sort of thing. But he's someone now that is becoming a genuine star midfielder. He is. And again, watching a fair bit of him last year, game 50 for John Newcomb today, game 100 for James Warple. So a couple of milestones there for the Hawks in Tasmania. What, what the knock on Newcomb last year was, finding a lot of the ball, but that polish, that finishing um, piece, and, and he went to school on that across this year. I know that Sam Mitchell has a fairly vested interest in him for a few reasons. He's his coach, but he brought him through from, from reminds Hill. him of him. And he was the one that absolutely said, right, we've got to work on this and we're going to do it ad nauseum until you improve. And he was one watching live last week, was making good decisions with the ball, um, penetrating a lot more with ball in hand um, by foot. So, yeah, they're improving their players, which you have to do for a, a young list that's going to be together for a long time. We were talking a couple of weeks ago on AFL Nation about the teams that have the VFL program so well aligned with their AFL program. Box Hill Hawks is, comes to mind, uh, Casey comes Casey, to yeah. mind, and then even Geelong as well, which I know you've been involved in, but uh, in the past. How much of an advantage is that to be able to have that strong alignment to, to be able to say to a Johnny, we're going to put you down in the, into the twos for four weeks and this is what you're going to work on. We don't worry so much about the result. We're worrying about making 200-game AFL players. To both of you, really. That yeah, question. I think, uh, and obviously living in that space um, consistently, uh, coaching wherever you like. The Box Hill situation is, is done as well as any, I, I feel. And it shows that for the important level that they, they take it, because Sam Mitchell was the coach in waiting for, for Hawthorne and... To go back and, and do the Box Hill coaching role, um, some would see that as a, a step back or, or moving away from where he's going, but he went back and um, identified that's what he needed to do. He needed to coach his own side, needed to have the tougher conversations, needed to, to be tested in-game. Um, and from there, he's found James Blank, who was Box Hill listed. He's found John Newcomb, um, who's Box Hill listed. Now they found Brandon Ryan, who was the Volant. So um, invested in that, that league to to improve their own program. And yeah, Box Hill, who are, I think, fourth at the moment on the ladder in the VFL, um, shows as well that Hawthorne are in pretty good shape. Because a lot of the players that aren't getting a game regularly are doing, doing well at the level below, which, you know, back in the Cats era, Bartel, Stevie Johnson, all those boys played in the VFL Premiership. Oh, two, they did. going in Timmy McGrath to a good captain. run. Bl- Bluey. He was. Blue and uh, David mentioned all those guys hung around and played. Look, no, I agree, Whitey. I think it's... It is important. Um, I reckon the alignments work best when you get great buy-in from the sub-listers as well. And you're getting, say in Geelong's case, if they can be getting 10 really talented players from the GFL and happy to 
bypass 1200 bucks a week or 800 bucks a week to go and play for four at Geelong with the lure that, hey, they tend to rookie list the player every year. Mm. So, you you know, one of, one of these 10 um, will end up on a rookie list and get an AFL career, and they do it. They did it with Tommy Stewart. They did it with Atkins. Uh, back in my day, they rookied uh, Scotty Thompson, Jason Davenport. So the players would say, no, I'm going to have a go at this. And when you get by, and the AFL boys, to their credit, were great with the uh, – there wasn't a – sort of distance between the AFL-VFL, it can get really strong really quick. I mean, Mumford just bowled up from Bunyip. Getting back to the Newcomb thing as well, um, my take on it all, especially being a, a, a footballer that, that hung around those second-tier levels, the fire is enough to carry you. I mean, Mumford was overweight, ran funny, didn't know how to play. But as soon as you got on the track with him, at any level, he hurt people. He wanted to hurt people. He wanted to tackle people. He wanted to drop the knees in if he got the chance. And he did that in the uh, when he played for Bunyip, and then he came and did it when he was playing in the Geelong 2s, and he did in the Geelong 1s, went to Sydney, did it for GWS. Every time that fire was there. The other one was Jay King, who I came through with. He got the flick from the under-18s because he wasn't all pretty and nice, and there wasn't much depth in his kicking, and he had a couple of tats. He had to go play at North uh, Heidelberg and then find his way back to Coburg, but the fire served yeah. him pretty well as well. In that elite environment, you can tidy up the skills. If the competitiveness is 9 or 10 out of 10, they can make it. Mm, certainly. And John Newcomb yeah, speaks to exactly that, using the ball really well. Is uh, John, where did he run in there, BNF last year? Was he second? Well, he got Lethal's number, so he must have been yeah. up there. You know, yeah, I, I think, think he pretty was keen. top three. They're pretty keen on him and pretty happy with how he's going. Great story. It has vindicated to the decision to move on O'Meara and Mitchell. This boy, Even Granger, is it that's Denver Granger Barras? Tell you what, if he can come on, then they're stronger again. I still like the look of him. He's yeah. got a bit of that fire. I've, he's just taken some... I've already traded him to West Coast in an article I wrote. Right. Yep, so. He's taken time. It looks like he's playing forward today, and he's got the t- old tough love from Sam Mitchell, but I've also heard Sam Mitchell say on radio that he, he rates him and he's shown him enough to think he'll be a genuine league footballer when he irons out a couple of his deficiencies. I'm not really sure what they are. Yeah. Oh, he's just had a shot for goal and missed. So Kick four it. minutes remaining in the second Kick term <laughs> at Blundstone Arena. The Bulldogs 5-5-35, Hawthorne 3-8-26, so a nine-point lead to the Dogs. It's bright and sunny and playing on a billiard table, so I'm not sure why the scoring is so low, but uh, the Hawks taking it up to the Bulldogs just before halftime. It's a, a chance for us to now head downstairs. Lenny Hayes, assistant coach at St Kilda, joins us in the build-up to the Saints and the Tigers. We're just 70 minutes away. Lenny, thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Big game today. I mean, it's a big game every week, but particularly uh, the way the ladder's shaping, this is a big one. Yeah, it certainly is. I think you know, the way the competition is, is at the moment, it's uh, every game. There's a lot on the line, and, and it's no different for us today, up against a, a really good outfit in Richmond, and yeah, we're going to have our work cut out once again. We've got uh, Nick uh, Butler and also Mick Barlow to ask you a few questions, Lenny. Yeah, Lenny, Mick Barlow, good to talk to you. A quick one on, uh, obviously, the former coach, Ross Lyon. I take a fairly uh, strong interest in his media conferences throughout the week, and he's mentioned that he's been quite cuddly, and there has been opportunity for for some harder-edged reviews in recent time. Was this week one of those off the back of a um, performance where you were right in the game last week without getting the ultimate result? Yeah, you're, you're right, Mick. Yeah, he has um, no doubt he's, he's been a little bit more cuddly, but as the season's gone on, and yeah, after the weekend, you know, we, we thought we were really good for a half, and then um, just the way that Carlton were able to overrun us in that last quarter was, was quite disappointing, especially from a midfield point of view where they just got on top around clearance, and we 
just really struggled to you know stem the flow there for a while. So yeah, we re we reviewed really strongly, and um, you know look forward to a, a better performance tonight or today. Lenny, having a look at the ins, the skunk memory gets a chance today. G Ross has made him work for it. Are you uh, confident that he can hit the ground running after being included today? Yeah, yeah, really excited to see him and, and Big Max um, play together for the first time this year. So, you know, they were, they were a really good combo last year. We just haven't been able to get them on the park at the same time. But you're right, yeah, Tim's been, you know, sort of back at the VFL level for a couple of weeks and he, he also had a good block of training just with his knee issue that he's had for most of the year that we just felt like he needed needed some good run under his belt to be able to come back in and play the sort of role that he does. He's, he's not that sort of standard deliver type forward. He needs to be able to work up and down the ground and, and he gets a lot of people with his work rate. So we, we feel like he's you know really well placed to have an impact today. And looking at the Tigers ins, uh, the old number four, Dusty Martin returns. I'm sure there's been a little bit of uh, time uh, sitting around the whiteboard for the coaching staff working out who gets the big job. Can you give us maybe one or two players that might get a crack at it today? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Obviously, like Cochin, um, not quite ready to come back in. Um, no doubt he'll spend time through the midfield, I think. Now that, it, like, since Andrew McGuire has taken over, he's been more of a mid, um, but he has that ability to go forward as well. So we've got a plan when he goes forward and when he's a deeper forward, you know, guys like Jimmy Webster, you know, Stocker, probably going to spend some time. And in the, when he comes into the midfield, you just got to watch his, you know, his spread forward and he's just so dynamic around the ball that we're going to have to put some time into him. But, you know, their midfield's a little bit like that. You put time into him and then Torino gets off the leash or, you know, Shy Bolton's another one that can really hurt you. So... We're going to have to be on our on our toes, and and we've got a few plans for a couple of guys if they do get do get off the leash a little bit. But we also want to back our guys in to respond after last week, so it should be a really good battle through the middle. Lenny Mitch Owens, oh, I, I'm fascinated by this this guy. He is a competitor. Again, I heard Ross throughout the week refer to him as one of the toughest, if not the toughest, he he's coached. Unwavering his com on his commitment to the ball. So we see some nice stuff and see his skill and talent, but what's under the hood is um is pretty special. Yeah, it is, Mick. Yeah, he's uh, he, he's a beauty. He's he's just so um, so disciplined to the roles that he plays. And actually, pre-season, he did a lot of pre-season training as a mid. And then we had quite a lot of injuries, um, you know, has been well noted. And he had to go forward. And he just he's just played that role so well. He just wins one-on-ones. He competes. You know, he's he's probably not the the silkiest of players. But, geez, what he, what he creates, he just creates, you know, carnage around the contest. And he's got that ability to win it from the inside and get it to the outside and, and bring some of our runners into play. So, you know, he's even been second ruck for us at, at times and he might do a little bit of that a, a again today. So, and, you know, last week he spent the, the first half in the midfield. I thought he did he did quite well. He's, a, he's an extractor and he makes things happen when he's in there. So he's a really good player and I think he's he's a player that, it, you know, the fans are going to love seeing for the next sort of 10 to 15 years. And I'd heard a lot uh, throughout my career of Ross's love for you. And uh, now that you're in the coaching seat, um, Mitch Owens, I'd imagine, would be one of the ones up the top of the list at the moment for Ross and yourself. Who else in this group um, are you guys gravitating towards as, as the top tierers in terms of favourites? Yeah, oh, look, Rossi's always got a couple. I, I think it was overplayed, mate, that me, the, the slow inside mid, and I think that, that was blown up a bit. He, he loved, Doing your recovery in Tasmania. Uh, but no, what look, there's, there's a couple of guys like, you know, obviously Jack Sinclair, that ability to play down back, and then, um, you know, he, yeah. he's been, had that ability to come in the midfield as well. He loves, you know, Cal Wilkie, the guys that can really lock down and just give great effort. So there's a number of guys that I think Rossi's taking a fancy to. Uh, Lenny, we know this is a really important game uh, for the Saints, the finals aspirations today, but uh, the man sitting in the opposite coaching box, you've had a lot to do with deep, 
down inside, are you sort of um, feeling for Andrew McWalter and hoping that he can keep impressing and, and win this job? Yeah, I hope he does. I hope he has a, a really tough one today. <laughs> I hope he has a really poor day today. But um, no, I think he's I think he's been amazing in what he's been able to do, and he's been in, in the system a long time now in terms of the coaching ranks. And I think he's just carved out a really good CV. And I think if it doesn't go his way this time, I think it's not too far away. I think he's destined to be a senior coach and a very good one. And just been really impressed and, and proud of him as a mate of, of what he's been able to do after over the last couple of months. Did you think, Lenny, he was going to be a senior coach when you played with him? No, no, not, not his first year. Like, he, you know, he came down to, um, and he boarded at, at Caulfield Grammar and, you know, BJ really took him under his wing, but he was just this little rat bag in his first year. And I thought, geez, I don't know if this bloke's going to stay on the list like for two or three years, let alone become a senior coach. But he was always a very smart footballer. He always a really good team player and he was always very um, aware of other people and, and what they were going through. And I think you see that with his emotional intelligence and the way that he's been able to deal with players. And I saw his um, a little bit of his speech um, after Trent Cochin spoke to the to the group and you know, just really impressive person and um, knows his footy and yeah, it won't be long before he's a senior coach. I've got two more. First, one to you, being back at St Kilda and being back as an assistant coach, has it been everything you'd hoped it would be? Oh, it's been brilliant. Yeah, it's been it's been great. I did have a couple of years out and I yeah. wasn't sure whether I'd whether I'd come back. And then, you know, footy is one of those things that you can never really say you know that you're never going to be back. And it just uh, through circumstance and a little bit of change at the club. Uh, there was an offer there and it probably coincided with my wife being pretty homesick and wanting to come back to Melbourne. So the stars aligned there and yeah, it's been, it's been awesome like just working with Ross and Robert Harvey, Corey Enright, really good coaching group, Brendan Goddard and, and just the, the playing group too who are so keen to learn and, and get better and take the club forward. So I've enjoyed it. You don't want to give too much credit to BJ. He's under yeah. a small impact on you, not, not like the others. Uh, he's, he's in charge of the goal kings, so we'll see how they go today. They've been <laughs> a bit off lately. So. Okay. And, and just the final one, you kind of touched on it before, but the We've been talking a bit today about the, the role of the tagger, and I guess Finn McGuinness has sort of made it uh, sexy again. Even yesterday here we had uh, Curtis Taylor tag, Zach Merritt was a real sort of hard tag. Do you think it'll come back? Ross has got a history of, of using them. Uh, do you think it's something that will come back significantly or just at times? No, I, th- I think there's still a place for it. Like, I you know, coached a, an ex-teammate of Mick Barlow's in Matt DeBoer up at the Giants, and yeah. he was he was unbelievable at it. And I think it's a real weapon and asset to have it. I think you need to have the, the right type of person, the, you know, the, that task-focused person who's really disciplined, you know, really fit, um, smart players who, who know how to work the angles and how to take the edge off better players. So we've used, you know, Marcus Winhager in that role at, at different times throughout the year. He's probably gone more to half-back now. Um, but I think there's still a place for it, especially up against some of the, you know, the better midfielders in the comp. Thanks for spending some time with us just an hour before the bounce. Good luck today. No worries, guys. Thank you. Lenny Hayes, St Kilda assistant coach. And it's great to have Lenny back in the system. We thought he was lost to the game after he sort of not walked away. We kind of he walked away from it. He back to the farm, it. didn't he? Yeah, after some time up at the Giants. Yeah, doing a great job with St Kilda. I love to say he didn't ask... Sometimes we can ask about too many players, but Brad Crouch is here. Well, I think there's been some, some real shift in, in these players that, again, Ross probably comes in and you think, oh, how's Brad Crouch going to go? Is it just you know, one or two years and then the next weight. guy's in? Yeah, but he's, he, he cut, didn't he? He dropped yeah. the weight. Um, he's running well. He, again, I'd, I'd think he'd be winning, if not... Sinclair, if, if, In the Crouch. top three, if yeah. not uh, winning the... St Kilda Best and Fairest. I agree. With so Cal Wilkie about He's averaging well. around about 28 disposals a game, but 
There's a game here a couple of weeks ago where he had 30 and kicked four goals. Yeah. And he just seems that last five or six weeks he's he's really Using come it better. Well, last year could could burn the ball. Yeah. He looks happy as well. He's uh, happy, relaxed. Um, I'm a facial man. <laughs> <laughs> he looked in the eyes. Go, he looks no, a little bit from his so time he's in Adelaide. Than... Well, he um, didn't finish well at the Crows. No. He, he, he butted heads a bit with Matty Nix, and you could tell there there is a stressed look on a footballer at times. He's lost that. He all the head noise is gone, and he knows he's valued, and he he knows uh, that he can if he applies himself can get close to thirty touches every week. He's a happy, fit footballer. Half time at Launceston between the Bulldogs and the Hawks. Hawthorne. 4-8-32, trailing the Bulldogs, 6-5-41. So the Dogs just can't shake the Hawks at the moment. Just when it looks like the Dogs are starting to get away from them, Hawthorne uh, seem to be able to answer. So a nine-point lead to the Dogs at halftime. We'll take a break here from Marvel Stadium as the build-up continues. We're one hour away from the opening bounce between the Saints and the Tigers. It is the build-up to St Kilda and Richmond from Marvel Stadium under the roof here in Melbourne. Adam White, Nick Butler and Mick Barlow with you. It is uh, for elders when listing your property. Think elders real estate. And for tyre power, your match day favourites for tyre safety. And, of course, we're involved in the pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles. Beaumont's new Beaumont Max range starts at just 20 bucks. We've just spoken to Lenny Hayes. So let's go into the St Kilda rooms at the moment, Mick Barlow. You know what it's like to be coached by Ross Lyon. Does he theme weeks? Does he theme days to sort of say, look, this is a final in August and really try and rev them up? Or does he keep things calm? How does he... Yeah, not at all. Because this is a big game today yeah. for St Kilda. Process. Uh, action-based confidence. So how the week would have looked. Um, drawing on how they would have trained and prepared for, for Richmond, the opposition. Um would have been his main main theming. He's, one of his great quotes was, I've gone to grand finals and called them round 26. So he doesn't get... <laughs> that was horrendous. He doesn't get too... I don't think he'd too, do that again. He doesn't get too amped up uh, about, what are we today, round 22. Um, outside of you know, what he's been doing week to week um, this year. So, yeah, I don't think... Action-based confidence, stay in the moment. Give yourself your best chance to to get a result off the of the way you've prepared. So when Lenny talks about a thorough review or he re- reviewed it hard, is he stripping paint off the walls in, in, in during, during the week? Because that's the outside perception is he's yeah. pretty scary during the week. Yeah, he's, he's, not a, he's not a yeller and a ranter, but he's pointed in how he gives the feedback. There's, I, they used to have, at Frio, it was the, the big bowl of um, ping pong balls which had numbers on them. Ooh. And your number got called out. So what did we review last Tuesday? Number seven, Fifey. What did we review? Fifey didn't come out much, actually. What did we review last week? Number eight, Nick Subin. And, Is that right? Yeah, and he would then... And Nick Subin, to his credit, was always pretty good at... Yep, we did attacking mid-possession gain and how we entered the ball inside forward 50. We needed to start to lower our eyes. All, all of that stuff. So I, I'm led to believe the balls have now made an appearance at St Kilda. Ooh, the and balls. they're starting to... Uh, have some accountability around what they're reviewing and how they're preparing. The notebooks are out. And, um, yeah, that, that's that's where the harder edge comes from. It's not so much come in and rant and rave and I'm, I'm an authoritarian. It's um, holding everyone to account, coaches included. The coaches got caught off guard a couple of times. Uh, Peter Sumich, I think, on one occasion was sitting in the corner. And All right, we'll review last Tuesday. Um, we'll start with uh, team defence. 
Peter? <laughs> Poor old Peter. Some. <laughs> a big morning for Peter, I think, at his um, fruit and veg shop. <laughs> he just was a bit, a bit furry and just didn't really nail the review. <laughs> <laughs> bit rough throwing your assistant coach under the bus, ah, isn't well, it? we're all in it. We're all equal. We're all good some people. Uh, some we're all more equal people. than others. But isn't it interesting? I mean, yes. what you're talking about now is is Ross being such a system-based team. Mm. You've got to know the system mm. because if you don't know the system, you let everybody down. Yeah. They're very clear. Even Lenny, speaking about last week, it was, you know, how did you review it? And, you know, the mids didn't need to get to work on clearance and what, what that looked like. And we put our backs under too much pressure as the game got going. Um, so they're really clear on, on what everything is. Uh, I think they're a great coaching group from the outside looking in with um, Corey Enright who runs, um, runs the man. team defence and backs and Lenny does stoppages and, and mids and um, Banger Harvey is forward forward half former. But Gee, they've got some talent in the old assistant yeah. coaching ranks. Right, where does the emotional spike come from? The process is nice. Being yeah. accountable to what you review is good. But what about the Craig McRae who spends Friday night cutting up an eight-minute highlights tape with you know, 80s tunes to yeah. get the boys the, the arousal level. Come honest. on, Ross, don't give me so, process 10 minutes before I go well, to battle. Well, you need a balance, don't Come you? on. So I, I'm, I, I, having played in the system yeah. there for a while um, with Ross, I do, I do think it was an area that that was missed a little bit. And whether he has adjusted elements that, I'm not sure. Whether he's brought in a little bit more spice and juice to his uh, pre-games and the, the energy. Yeah. He did it in different ways. I remember some games... You would just you'd come out and you'd just be like, you're ready to absolutely rock and roll. But there were probably patches four, five, six weeks in a row where it was, you know, you'd walk out in front of, you know, packed Subiaco Oval or yeah. or a big interstate game and or Adelaide Oval, and you hadn't really drawn on the fact that oh, this is this is pretty cool, this is spine tingling stuff. Whereas, um, yeah, I think it was something he missed a little bit when when I was underneath him, but as yeah, Might have grown. No doubt. In, have think about it. I guess with Ross, and I can tell this from, you know, I have to deal with him in a press conference situation. Do you enjoy once that? A, I do, actually. We, we have a bit of, we, yeah, we, we to and fro a bit. Tate-tate. He, he is a high presence man. Like, he doesn't have to rant and rave to have your attention to get you a little bit um, tingly in the spine. I, I don't he know if it was because he was a nasty player, and I mean real nasty. And he, um, you know, there's a little bit, you, you look in his eyes, you can tell that back in the day, he, he preferred a fight than a feed. Those guys, I reckon, don't have to do the, the you know, we're... Craig McRae doesn't quite have that. He had brilliant career, fantastic footballer, premiership player, but he, he doesn't have a mad look in his eye like, like Ross. So I think, yeah, uh, in defence of Ross, uh, he probably doesn't have to overdo that sort of yeah. stuff because when Ross is talking, you listen. No, absolutely. I think um, the Craig McRae-Ross line, that from what we know about Ross and what we know about Craig McRae, I reckon Ross has come some way to, oh. to level himself out in this next in as a coach. Um, um, that's a good at the moment. That's probably the cuddly Ross that he mm. talks about. Just being, trying to be empathetic to the players' emotional mm. uh, needs. And on game day, there are there's, there's guys head butting lockers. There's guys that can sleep, and there's about thirty in uh, between. In between. Mm. Um, so it's not He's a, a cookie cutter man. situation. He's a fascinating man. Our major partner is the TAC. Drink driving chances are you'll be caught TAC. And this pre-game show is brought to you by. Before you dig Australia, before you dig, lodge a free inquiry online. With a short break, back with uh, the Richmond side of things. David Teague, the assistant coach at the Tigers, he'll join us next on AFL Nation. 
Yeah, SAFL Nation for Elders and Tyre Power. Adam White, Nick Butler and Mick Barlow with you ahead of St Kilda and Richmond, just 44 minutes away from the opening bounce. Xavier Clark from Richmond will join us shortly. Someone that's almost become the forgotten man of the AFL is Tom Lynch. I just was out the back before and he just walked past. Yes. Firstly, he's a massive man. Got big hands. Yeah, he's such a big presence and such a an important part of Richmond. He's been missing pretty much the entire year, yeah. which has meant that Jack Revolt's had to play maybe more footy than he anticipated, than the Richmond hierarchy anticipated. Would you have Jack go around again next year, Mick? I wouldn't, no. Oh, I know that's not to sound insensitive. <laughs> he was very oh, categorical no. about that. Oh, I not. think um, well, there are probably a couple of ways you can you can skin this. At the moment, with Tom Lynch out, it has exposed that there's a lack coming through. Um, you know, Samson Ryan probably hasn't hasn't jumped up and taken that spot. Bower will get an opportunity um, again today in that front. He's kind of a more of a hybrid, medium size. So they haven't really found what that next hybrid, medium-sized forward looks like, which Jack has been for a long while. But well, I just feel um, what the, the drop in form or output that we've seen this year from him to linger into another year for, for a guy that would have a lot set up off field, like a, a few opportunities to step out and, and you know probably take Nick Butler's job there at the network, <laughs> maybe if he wanted to and, sure and get, on with, <laughs> get on with his life um, pretty quickly. So I, I see it as, yeah, I think, and it's a great time for Richmond with a new coach stepping in um, to, to regenerate this list and, and regenerate the club after, a very good period of success. He leads the goal kicking this year at the Tigers with 30 goals, 24. Then it's Dusty with 21. So mm. it, that other player hasn't him, sort of stepped up and and taken the opportunity, I guess, just purely and simply on numbers. Xavier Clark is down on the boundary for us, assistant coach at the Tigers. Xavier, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having us, guys. We're just watching the, the boys uh, get ready to, to head out for their warm-ups. Uh, what, are your, what are you doing with uh, just 40 minutes before the opening bounce now? Uh, not much, but I'm actually going to head up to the box and uh, set my computer up and, and get my little station ready for, for the game and uh, make sure that's all set and ready to go. But everything's done, mate. We've had our, our line, line meetings, our final line meetings and our team meeting now, so it's just really up to the players to, to get themselves ready for the for the first bounce. It was interesting, Andrew McWalter's uh, comments during the week about the, the game against the Bulldogs. Rather than sort of dwell on the negatives, it was kind of like, well, yeah, we had one bad quarter, but apart from that, we actually were pretty good. Has that been the sort of the theme throughout the course of the week in the build-up to this one? Yeah, it has been, mate. And we're trying to get that balance, obviously, during the week around, you know, how do we continue to educate our players in terms of how we want to play and how we want to move the ball and in offence and how we want to defend. And, um, yeah, certainly that first quarter, yeah, you know, it really wasn't up to our standard. We know that and we, we, we recognise that and we acknowledged it. Um, you know, we saw some vision during the week that's going to help us, um, you know, hopefully not have any of those quarters anymore. But, um, yeah, look, this week's been really positive because we know when we get the ball moving really well and we get the ball inside 50, you know, our scoring um, percentage inside 50 um, is stacking up. Once we get it in there, the ability to be able to get more opportunities is, is what we want to try and do and most teams do. And, we know Saints are really good at getting their numbers behind the ball and defending that part of the game, so it'd be a really real challenge for us. But we're confident, um, you know, obviously the week we've had and the education we've shown the players and the vision and the stuff that Minnie's speaking about, being really positive that we'll get a good response. We've got Nick Butler and also Mick Bartlow. Uh, to, uh, Mick Bartlow. It's hard to <laughs> say. <Butler>. Uh, <laughs> to ask you a few questions. Hey, uh, Clark, a quick one on Andrew McWalter, who's, who's come in and, and done a really good job and 
putting his hand right up to, to take over the role full time. What are some of the shifts you, you've mentioned? They've been doing a lot of work on education of players, I suppose, in the meeting room and out on the grass. What are some, some subtle shifts that he's looked to implement um, in the three phases of the game? Look, it's probably really simplified it more so than anything. In terms of the old, the macro of the game plan and the way we wanted to play in offence and defence, hasn't probably changed too much, to, to be completely honest. Um, we've made some personnel changes and we're trying to find some stuff, you know, potentially in our front half and around the ball as well. But, um, you know, initially it's more just around reinforcing, OK, what are the things we do really well when we're at our best and really knuckling down on that as, as a line group, as a team and individually as well. You know, be really clear... I think probably the one thing to answer your question, but you know, what he's sort of brought in and, and challenged the players a lot on is actually be really clear on your role. What is your role? How do you need to execute that? And, and what are the, I guess, the tools and the education you need to be able to help you do that? And, and are we as coaches and are the, the players themselves, you know, doing that week to week to set themselves up um, to be able to do that on game day? So that's probably the one he's really knuckled down on is, is just really nailing your role and understanding what that looks like. Just another one on Andrew McWalter. Uh, Xavier, look, I got a bit of mail that he, he, there's a bit of old school about how he coaches as well. While he's a great relationship coach and a really good communicator, he doesn't mind um, looking a player in the eyes and challenging them. Is that a, a fair assessment of how he goes about it? I think that might be the uh, Trelgan upbringing on him, mate, maybe, yes. I think. But, uh, look, no, nah, look, Minnie's, I think all good coaches and, and, and most coaches do have it. They have that, um, I guess, that eye of the tiger, that, that side of them where they, they know to be able to, to challenge players when it's right and look players in the eye to be able to get a response. And he's got a really good balance of that. You know, he's been at the footy club now for 10 years and an assistant coach. You know, he's done multiple other roles, at, you know, the, uh, the Suns and so forth. So he's been around footy a long time. You know, he's, you know, he's one of his... I guess one of the guys he does look after is, is certainly Rossi. He's, he's coaching that against today, and yep. you know he, he has a lot of that in spades as well. So he's, he's learned his, his craft, and he's got a good balance and bringing his own personal touch to it as well, which has been really good. Another one for me. We've been on air since one o'clock, and there was three men and a dog here uh, early doors. One of those was Dusty Martin. He was first man here, and he looked to have that uh, the eye of the tiger today. Can we expect him to spend a good portion of the day uh, inside 50 and maybe will hopefully uh, help uh, Jack hit the scoreboard? Yeah, look, he's, um, you know, obviously last week we couldn't quite get him up and, um, you know, off that short break, but he's fresh as, as, you know, he's, as he's been. He's had a great week on the track. He's trained really well, a lot of intent. And, yeah, look, he's made it. And it's been heavily noted, and, and Minnie's even spoken about this. He's as he's, he's invested as he's ever been, Dusty. And, you know, and that just shows, you know, you guys seen him here as early as and, you know, putting the time in and his prep and what that looks like. But, you know, to answer the other part of the question, look, he, generally he, he does spend most of his time forward of the ball. He has a little bit of a licence to be able to come up to stoppage when he needs to, when he thinks he needs to be able to impact the game or he, or he feels like he's drifting out of the game a little bit. So we sort of manage him through that a bit um, and try and get him to get that balance because, you know, does when he thinks the game's in a, in a certain part, he, he feels like he has to be the man. So, um, you know, we've just got to continue coaching him through that and finding that balance. But... Um, He'll generally put himself where he needs to, but the majority of the time we'd be forward to the ball. You beat the Saints eight weeks ago at the MCG, so it's different circumstances here. The teams are slightly different, but obviously a different venue. So when you plan, how, how different is the planning for St Kilda under the roof versus at the MCG? 
Look, yeah, look, it's an interesting question. It's a great question too. Look, we're sort of, to be honest, not a lot. I think they've changed a little bit in terms of what they're trying to do behind the ball with their foot, uh, with their ball movement, um, in terms of being able to chip that ball around and maintain possession and um, really get strong in their front half when they can. But our job really today, is, and especially from the front half, is try and take that away from them as best we can. And probably a little bit, to be honest, the last time we played them, the weather helped with that. Yep. Um, the game ended up becoming really skinny. Yeah, we ended up being contest to contest, and and we ended up finding space naturally by going through skinny, and then all of a sudden, you know, they, um, Saints one of their biggest strengths is their their contest, their ability to be able to put pressure on the ball, and we found space um, once that ball spilt out. So if we can get a good balance between one, I mean, probably not playing too skinny, um, trying to get the game into space if we can, um, but also not forcing it because we know they're good on turnover and they get numbers behind the ball. So. There's a little bit of balancing act, but like I think you know, many spoke about this week and it's been well noted that we just want to get back to playing good Richmond footy and, and being really unpredictable to ourselves. And just one final one from me. We, we can't leave the conversation without asking about Trent Cotchin, who announced his retirement during the week. He's not playing today, but do you get an emotional spike out of, out of that, that, even though he's not playing, or... Could it almost go over the top? The, the sort of the, the emotion of the entire week, and the I guess the sadness that that your skipper's not going to, or the former skipper's not going to continue on. Yeah, it is. You know, in footy clubs, you know, it's been the same. The people come and go, but Trent's been absolutely enormous, as we know, for this football club and individuals, and, and the way he's played the game um, as an individual, but the way he set the the club up to be able to, you know, that really hard, tough, precious style of footy is off the back of Trent Cochin and. You know, many acknowledge that in our meeting um, pre-game that you know really he, he was the toughest tiger of, a, of, of them all, and we've got a responsibility now that he's going to pass the baton on to someone else. So who's going to step up? You know, and it can't be one individual. You know, we all got to um, play a role in that part of the game. So certainly his legacy, you know, um, what he's been able to do for this football club has been phenomenal, and hopefully we can do him justice. Xavier, thanks for your time, particularly so close to the opening bench. You can go up and uh, set up the coach's box now. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Appreciate it. Xavier Clark, assistant coach from the Tigers, uh, joining us there. I mean, I, I think it is it is relevant, the fact that the Tigers did beat St Kilda only uh, eight weeks ago, and it was a fairly comfortable win, but it was a wet old night at the MCG on a Saturday night. Totally different here, and St Kilda generally play better footy here because they play more footy here. No, yeah, did that game... Um... The Saints started fast, and it was uh, Cochin's milestone match. Yeah, it was, it was his 300th. Yeah. And um, back to your question, Ross Lyon actually was on on record that week as actually trying to take the emotion out of that that game. So they, they do talk about it, obviously circumstance. You feel like Carlton, uh, Carlton, St Kilda come up against in the last few weeks. They've tended to come up against sides, um, you know, sack coaches and uh, players retiring milestones and whatnot. So. Um, yeah, you'd imagine the Richmond Football Club don't have to look too far for, for inspiration and opportunity for some of these guys to come in and take spots. So come in and take Trent Cotchin's spot ongoing. We've discussed the, the Jack Rewalt situation. There's spots there and careers. Jack Ross has grown, hasn't yeah. he, this year? He looks like he's uh, bona fide and, yep. um, and, and feels really comfortable. And that's Trent going out of the yep. centre square has probably opened that up for him. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, we might take a break here from Marvel Stadium just uh, around the grounds for Chemist Warehouse. Uh, Hawthorne have just had a shot to take the front, uh, but unfortunately for Hawthorne fans, it went away to the left and it was a minor score only. So the Bulldogs 6 6 42. Look, Bruce has got to put him in front uh, now. Punky. Yeah, in fact, Hawthorne's got another shot here. So we might just stay with his shot. Luke Bruce, left foot snap. Doesn't miss these. Set shot, Whitey. opens the angle, kicks the goal. Oh, he missed. 
No, he's got it. No, he got it. So Hawthorne's <laughs> in front. Only just. So 12 minutes to play in the third term at Launceston, and Hawthorne leads the Bulldogs. Hawthorne 6-8-44 over the Bulldogs 6-6-42. So game on in Launceston. A break on AFL Nation for Elders and Tyre Power. Back with more shortly. Yes, it is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles. Beaumont's new Beaumont Max range starts at 20 bucks, And, of course, our major partner here at AFL Nation is the TAC. Drink driving, chances are you'll be caught TAC. Uh, now, down in Tasmania, Aaron Norton had a shot for goal 15 metres out, pretty much straight in front. He put the dogs in front. He missed. Oh, okay. So Hawthorne 6-8-44, leading the Bulldogs 6-7-43. Eight minutes remaining in the third term. Well, just watching the, the Tigers go through their warm-ups, I saw Ivan Soldo kick a torpedo from 55 metres out that hit the fence on the full. Big they, heavy. Have, they have fun. You know, the, the Tigers, I see them smiling and having fun. So that's their thing, isn't it? Yeah, so St Kilda have gone off started the ground. Fun, didn't he? Where they used to tell the joke they, at three-quarter time and the all the old Jack dinosaurs used to tell the joke. Said, now he plays to the opposition. Yeah, well, that's true. Remember, we, what are they doing? You're supposed to it's fire and brimstone and energy and they're telling jokes and then they go and clean you up. So the Saints have just uh, cleared off and now the Tigers are dispersing away towards their race as well. We are only 26 minutes away from the opening bounce. It is uh, Matty's match, the Saints and the Tigers, obviously the revolt name is uh, linked to both St Kilda and Richmond and uh, the Matty's match has been going now for for quite some time. Our full preview, we'll, we'll get that underway after 3 o'clock local time, where Mick Barlow is going to tell you exactly what is going to happen. What, what do you do at this time, Mick? When we're talking about 26 minutes out from the bounce, are you nervous when you uh, – or were you nervous when you played? Playing? Butterflies? Now that I'm a coach, I get, you get more nervous coaching, I think, at this. You do understand as a coach, this, at this time of the week, you've done everything you can do, and then you're just getting up there and getting into your scenarios of however it falls. Um, but playing, you know, I was quite uh, quite unflappable, to be honest, before, before entering, uh, fully, before full entering, the, entering the arena. Were you nervous as a, yes. as a champion local footballer? Uh, that's a stretch. Ah, uh, yeah, terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I got better, but I was vomit early doors. and um, not. I think I just... Um, and there's been some far better players than me that used to vomit, Tony Lockett being one of them. So it was, uh, I don't think they were so good with anxiety 20 years ago when you came through, but I just hated the feeling of playing bad or having, as a big guy, having your courage questioned and you, oh, yeah, it had, it had come up a lot of games. Towards the end, I was able to play with a smile on my face, local footy and enjoyed and all, cut out all that rubbish. But uh, early doors, terrible before the game. Jeez, 25 minutes before the game, I'm trying to see if we can sneak out and get a hot dog and a can of Coke before well, the And the worst of that, the Nick Revolt. Admits he, he had to endure footy, not, not enjoy yeah, it. The anxiety started for him on the Thursday night. Right. My goodness. Yes, uh, he was uh, one of a kind. There's no doubt about that. Our pregame partner is Before You Dig Australia. Before you dig, lodge a free inquiry online. We're not far away from uh, the banners being raised and the Tigers and the Saints uh, getting into action here under the roof at Marvel Stadium. Our full preview will be next on AFL Nation. It's the Saints and the Tigers. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders. When listing your property, think Elders Real Estate and Tyre Power, your match day favourites for tyre safety.